Welcome to another episode of The Inquisitive Analyst. I'm your host, Marcus Udekang, and it's the show where we chat with business analysts and project managers about their challenges and triumphs, their ideas, and their contribution to their field. It's inspiring, it's upbeat, it's exciting, but most of all, it's inquisitive. My guest today is founder of Hashtag Higher Higher Ed. He has a PhD in rhetorics, composition, and information design, and he is a newly minted business analyst. That's right, a business analyst. Started from a PhD, became a BA. So please help me welcome to today's show, Eric James Stevens. Welcome, Eric. Marcus, um, hi, thank you for having me. I'm sorry, uh, my dog just started barking in the middle of that. So I'm oh. excited to be here and so is my, my so dog. So is my dog, well, that's yeah. good, that's awesome. I got a lot of questions for you today because you're quite a unique person. The uh, first person I've, I've found who actually has moved into business analysis from uh, academia. So let's uh, let's start off. You know, you you studied ethical use of big data. Now you're enacting it, as you say. You come from this research-oriented background where critical thinking is really crucial as an academic, and learning how to learn is sort of at the core of of academia, right? It's part and parcel. It's kind of like your modus operandi. So what what gave you the incentive to make this acute turn from research into becoming a business analyst? Take us a bit through your story. Um, yeah, I think that that's, I think that my story is, is, is different and it's not one that I don't know can be, um, easily like, cause it was, it's very happenstance, um, is, is how I put it. It was, it was, um, very serendipitous. Um, I lost my job as a writing professor, um, at a university, um, because of COVID last spring, like right around this time last year is when everything was kind of um, happening. And um, I knew that I couldn't go into academia. Like I was just kind of like reading the cards that it's the job market was complicated anyway. COVID was not going to make that easier. Since then, there's been an estimated, uh, I think, seven to 10% drop of um, higher ed jobs, which is about 440,000 jobs in the United States. Um, and they just, it wasn't going to happen. And so I knew that I had to show people what I was capable of doing. Um, I had to be able to translate my experience from academia to an industry environment. Um, and so that's what I kind of set out to do and did it in a way that I, I was just ready to pivot. I was um, like the nature of who I am and what I studied um, in rhetoric was being able to go into a situation and be persuasive and learn something very quickly and do something very quickly. And the way that I got my job, that I'm sure we can talk about later too, um, it, that the conversation went, um, like I, I, I sold him on me as a person before I sold him on me as an analyst. Um, and he saw the potential in what I could do as an analyst. Um, and, and that's essentially how I got, I got this job. I was just kind of hustling, trying to make my name on LinkedIn as an identity. Um, and I came across someone uh, who offered me a job as an analyst. And it wasn't until the second day I started. Um, and after a conversation with you, because you're so kind to be able to, and doing that for me as well, um, just understanding what I was doing until a solid week into the, into the job. Wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's right. You did. You did connect with me and just ask me a few questions. I think that was before you got the job. You're just asking some questions on business analysis. So it's kind of cool. So before we get into into the depthness of, of your job itself, how much of a challenge was it to learn 
SQL and Tableau? Because I know that's kind of the stuff that you do do. Um, what, what was your learning technique to, to learn that? Um, it was a very frustrating experience because of everything that was happening. I was just starting a new job that was remote. At the time, I was living in my parents' basement with my wife and three kids because I had we, my, my, wife, my wife and I were both unemployed. And so we had to make other arrangements happen. Um, and I just remember um, sitting down and saying, okay, you need to be able to have a functional understanding of SQL um, and be able to do some visualizations and things in Tableau. And I'm kind of be able to have a good, a good like 10,000 foot story about the data that we produce and, and what it does. And so I said, okay, I, I went on to, I think it was W3 schools, just kind of like went through each of those modules. And I was like, I hate every minute of this. I hated it. Cause it, like when I was first talking with, um, <clears throat> with Jeff, the, the, the guy who offered me the job, like he said, like, do you know how to code or do you know Tableau? I was like, no, I don't. He's like, ah, you'll figure it out. You're like, you'll learn that quickly. Um, and so I was just, I was staring at the screen and then I realized I needed a little bit more guidance. Um, Corey Tutwiler, he's my supervisor. Um, he, he said, you know, try this Udemy course. I really like this one. And so I went and I did that and I was just staring at it. And I said, this is dumb and I hate it and I hate it. And it's stupid um, because I didn't get it. And I, I could understand that it worked and that other people knew that it worked and they could figure out why it worked. But I feel like I'm a pretty smart person and I was staring at it and I just didn't get it. And then I realized like, okay, I need to be doing a little bit more in my job with the, um, not just understanding where the data is coming from and being able to query the data, but also being able to and do some analysis in the, on the data. And so we, we got me a um, Tableau um, license and I just said like, okay, I'm gonna, I, did, I found another Udemy course and I said, okay, I'm going to watch this on one and a half speed because it's this the most excruciating thing that I just, I can't stand. Um, because I am, I, am, I am used to being in a position where I know what I'm talking about in a situation like in, in just in the circles that I'm in and just something I wasn't getting. And then it wasn't until the fiasco of, of February um, that we kind of call it, uh, I guess I'm calling it right now in this moment, um, where just Tableau and like our data sources just kind of like started like something was going on. We, could, we, didn't, we didn't figure out what was, what was happening. And we were just like for two weeks, things were like people were asking our internal customers were asking like, hey, we need some data. And we can't get it. Why? And we're like, we don't know. Like, we'll, we'll see what we can do. And in the midst of that, because I also felt very responsible for that, um, even though I was sure it wasn't my fault. I was, you know, I felt responsible. Um, it just clicked. Like in the most real frustrating way, it just clicked. And I wrote this query and said, I was like, hey, what if we try this? And Corey was like, yeah, like, okay, no, like maybe. Um, and, and then he came back later that day and he said, hey, um, I'm sorry for, and he, like, he's, he's an amazing, like, I love having him as a supervisor. He said, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I didn't look at this. I, I didn't think that you were capable of writing something this complicated at this point. I was like, I don't know how you did this, but like, it worked. Um, and it just, it just got to the point where I just, um, 
like our goal was like have me be able to take on um, all of the internal like data requests for like our marketing customers and things like that. Um, and that was my a 12 month goal that I had. Um, a couple of weeks ago, my guy, I had like an impromptu, um, like what's the, what's the word? An impromptu performance review. Mm. And, and they said, um, Hey, you've, you've hit your 12 month goals and it's been five months. Uh, you don't like, clearly you're not a junior business analyst. Uh, we're going to drop the junior and give you a pay bump and like, keep, doing these things that you're doing because it's, it is making an impact. Um, and it's been exhilarating just like the, the, for how frustrating it was to stare at a screen for hours and hours and not know what was happening to being able to tell a story that nobody in the company had ever thought to tell. And it was, it was just, it was, it was proportionately amazing. Yeah. That's, that's kind of cool. But I think it's like with learning anything, you get those humps, you get those hurdles, you get the, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. You keep doing it, keep doing it. And then one day it just, it just clicks, you know, it just clicks. So, and I know SQL can be frustrating. I just, uh, we don't want to get into that, but yeah, you're right, definitely. So you started this thing called Hire Higher Ed. Now it's uh, hashtag Hire Higher Ed. I spelled hashtag H-I-R-E, higher, and then H-I-H-I-G-H-E-R, the other higher, and then Ed, E-D. So Hire Higher Ed. What's that all about? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So like I said, I, I lost my job because of COVID. Um, I, knew, I knew a couple months in advance that I was going to be laid off just with, with how things were, were shaken out. Um, and so I started looking immediately for work in the middle of everything that was happening. Like right now, I was applying to just dozens of jobs. Um, and I knew that academia wasn't in my future anymore. And that was a really hard thing to come to terms with because leaving academia is akin to leaving a religion. That is, it is a cultural experience. Like your friends, uh, you, like your, your family, like you like, it is, it is a part of you and you went to it for a reason. Um, and even though you know that the reason that you went there isn't the real reason that exists anymore, you still cherish it, right? Even though you can find it frustrating. And I was just incredibly sad and incredibly depressed. And I, I knew that I wasn't the only person that was experiencing this. I was trying to reach out to my academic community on LinkedIn, where communication and networks matter for data, right? but academics don't get on LinkedIn. And so I was like, hey, I'll be clever. I'll do hashtag hire, higher ed. Like, hey, let's flood LinkedIn's algorithms with our data. Like, let's go and authentically connect. That's what I wanted to do. I said it for June 8th, uh, 2020. And I said, hey, it's National Best Friends Day. It's very convenient, right? Go wherever you are at 12 o'clock worldwide, 12 p.m., go get on LinkedIn and connect for an hour. Like just update your profile, go endorse people authentically, recommend people authentically, because you never know if you're going to be the connection that someone needs in order to find a new job. Even if you're not looking, you might be the person that someone knows. You just don't know. That's the hidden job market that we talk about. Had a lot of resistance to that idea. And it's a fun story to tell. Um, Black Lives Matter erupted across the country. 
Um, I knew that I, I didn't, I didn't want to try to compete with any sort of attention with that. And I wanted to try to embed what was happening into this thing that I was realizing that I was building. And so I postponed it and I just started hustling. I started asking career coaches. I said, Hey, you love doing webinars. Um, I love hashtag, right? How about you do a webinar on this day? I'll promote it. And then you promote my event. I got enough attention that I was able to do thought leadership panels because I didn't want to set out and call myself a thought leader. I wanted to call other people thought leaders because eventually someone says, hey, who's that guy calling these people a thought leader? Let's ask him questions too. And so I was able to put together just the most amazing people. We had 50 speakers from eight countries. We had 250, 280 registered attendees. We had 19 workshops that were all free and nine live streamed panels that everything was attended on average, like anywhere from 15 to 30 people um, that, that attended. All of it was for free. I put everything together in under two months while I was moving my family across the country to live into my parents' basement with a two-month-old baby um, and two kids, other kids. And for less than 250 bucks. And for me, that was, you want to hire someone, this is who you're hiring. I could tell you about my publications, my presentations, my awards. I can tell you about all that. But it doesn't translate in the same way. I could spend time translating that. And that's my big message is about a translation of skills but I didn't want to, I wanted to show people what I could do. And it worked like, just like it, 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 it worked. Like people came, it was like, kind of like that field of dreams kind of feel, you know? Um, and that's, that's what led me to the, the job that I have now. I was reaching out to Jeff, the CEO, Jeff Patterson of Gaggle asking him like, Hey, you know, um, you hire people for tech jobs. What do you want from when you hire someone? And he's like, I would never hire someone with a PhD. And let me tell you why. Um, and so we, we chatted back and forth. And it was to the point where he, three days later, he, he offered me a job. And he's like, all right, like I hear what you're saying. Um, but my whole theme throughout that entire experience was that the most ethical thing and the most kind thing that you can do as someone who has a job is to be active on LinkedIn because you just don't know when your connection is the one that matters. You, like, you, you have to strengthen that web. And also you don't know if you're ever going to need it yourself, right? Like you don't, especially in academia. I saw a tweet, a guy, he's had tenure for eight years, just got his contract ending in May. It's happening, right? You have to be active. And so I got a job and I said, I can't, I can't not do this still i have to keep trying to help and trying to build this community and so that's why i still try to be so active and engaging on this platform because people need a community and i know how to help build one actually uh in talking about that higher higher ed that you did i mean obviously it took a lot of different types of skills organizational skills and communication skills but what, what skills do you think were key in transitioning from research into, into being a business analyst? 
Could you repeat that last part one more time? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, no, that's so, fine. I just like we could process that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, what what skills do you think you 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 use to transition from research from the PhD into a business analyst? Like, what what were the key skills that you'd say you you, you needed to give? Yeah, if, I if, think, if someone else mm -hmm. if someone else were to do it, what what would you suggest that they? What skills would you suggest they focus on? I think it's a great question. Um, I think that, and I, and I'll I'll go in hands down, and I'm going to be biased in every way that I can be because um, that's just what's happening. I believe that academics make amazing analysts. Like, what does an analyst do other than process information to come to a conclusion? That's what a researcher is doing. They're processing data to try to come to a conclusion that that in the academic circle, like it helps a certain population or like it contributes to a, to a field or it does this. Whereas in an, in an analyst situation, it's to make this project better or it's to make this thing better. Like the, the difference is the subject of study and the audience. An academic wants to study the whole thing and write really academically about it to other academics who are pretend that they're going to read it. An analyst, right? They look at what, what is happening and they say, what is the problem? Articulate the problem for me. Like, let's figure out what that is. Who are our stakeholders? And what information do we need in order to convince them that this is the right path because of data? That's, I mean, that's, that is the core. I mean, and again, my, my background is rhetoric and persuasion and communication. So, and my philosophy is that everything is a rhetorical tool. Like you can use anything for persuasion. The most powerful piece of persuasion is data. And the most powerful version of that is big data that has been just cleaned well and just formulated well to be accessible that other people can access it and all these beautiful things. That's kind of cool. I feel like I'm kind of going ranty there. No, 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 that's good. I, 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 think, I think you really made your point. I think it's really, really important. At, at the end of the day, there's so many of these jobs out there where they're analyzing data, you know, just like, a, like you said, like a researcher is, it's just that as a business analyst, it's focused in certain business areas, right? So, but yeah, it, that's definitely key for sure. So in the past, you, you've designed and you've taught business and technical writing, right? You've also been a freelance writer. Have you found that these types of skills were an integral part of your role as a business analyst? Absolutely. Uh, have they given you like have they given you an edge in a way sort of you know i really i think so um and here's the specific example that i have um because i think that like i could probably ramble for a long time about it here's my specific answer is about curriculum design and i think this is um important for especially those academics that did a lot of teaching that if you I mean and this is also assuming that you were good at your job honestly right um curriculum design is, is how I approach a problem that I have as a business analyst. Um, in curriculum design, I have a goal. I want my students to come away with this piece of knowledge. And I work, and it's called backward curriculum, it's backward design, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what do I need to do to build, to make sure that they, they get that, they understand that? How do I structure my class? How do I structure the rubric that reinforces the things that I want them to take away? And I also, I taught writing in a very different way than a lot of people did. Um, but I, cause I had it very structured in a way that a lot of people 
kind of it's like an old school that people don't like but it was it was it was built in a way that is agile mm. that it was designed specifically because i knew that i didn't have one audience i had multiple audiences i had multiple identities that wanted to use this thing as a tool they wanted to go into their class knowing more than when they came away with and everything that i could do could help them achieve that even in the way that i designed the course mm-hmm. and so i i I just, I figured out what was the need and what needs to be accomplished and how can I influence what's going on in that situation? And I work backwards from there. And that's how he's like, okay, back to, so this is how I need to manipulate this data set, right? This is how I need to under, like, this is how I need to present this information in a way that this audience understands in a way that accomplishes this, this goal so that we can get this thing done so that I can accomplish this thing. Um, and that is, just the, I mean, that is a curriculum design, right? Like I, I want my audience to come away with something and to understand something. And so I build it in a way that that's what they'll do. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. I think, I, I, you know, writing is so huge in business analysis. It depends if you're like a heavy technical writer. Yeah, you, you need those schools, uh, those skills for sure. But all business analysts need some degree of, of good, strong writing skills anyway. All right. Can you can you take us through one of your typical days at work as a VA? Yeah. Um, I I'll preface this with I feel incredibly lucky in the both the company where I work um, and the position that I entered into when I came to work in this company. Um, they they identified me as someone who could learn on the fly um, and just tackle a problem. Um, And they gave me space to learn and to do that. And so I don't know how typical or atypical the day in the life of Eric's business data analyst life is, but here's what I do. Um, I I sit down at my computer um, because it's a remote company now. Um, I open Slack because that's our means of communication. Um, I open my browser that has all my tabs ready that like tell me what I'm doing for the day. Um, and then I open Tableau um, and, I, and I just like, okay, like, and I have, I have a whole folder of, of temporary files um, that are like, all right, this is my data source. Like, this is my workbook that I'm working with today that if I need to make any changes that, okay, if, in case I screw anything up, I can always go back to yesterday's. And so I just like, like I have temporary April 14th, 2021. Like, and then tomorrow is going to be April 15th, 2021. And like, cause, and so um, I go in and I say, all right, and, and what is the thing that I need to solve? Um, I, I check to see if there are any data requests. I handle all the internal data um, that we have as far as the, the type of data that the customers produce um, and, and being able to use that for more of the um, decision-making on the, on the, the customer side. And so I think like, all right, how do I, understand that problem who do i need to talk to to go do that because like while i'm thinking about this thing over here about what i want the data to look like i know i am not an expert in two things what the the application of that data right the familiarity of just like the the culture of gaggle right the company where i work and then also how a customer is going to want to use that and so I go and I say, okay, who do I need to talk to? Like, what resources do I have 
because I am a person that can, I, I need to connect with someone and talk through an idea. And, and it's exhilarating. The, the, the best compliment that I've received so far at work was, was when during that, that impromptu uh, performance review was when people leave a conversation with you, they're excited. Like they, they want to be a part of whatever it is that you're talking about. That's a good thing. Um, and so I go and I, I try to figure out who I, I talk to people. Um, and I say, like, I say, thank you for your time. Like, I appreciate this. A little tip trick, right? Insert here. Um, whoever you're working with, reach out to them. And, hey, what, whatever it is that you think, think of, like if you come across a YouTube video, if you come across an article, anything that you think changes the way you think about the way you do your job, share it with me. You don't have to give me context. You can give me context if you want to. The more I know how you think, the better I can help you. The better I can persuade them to do the thing that I want to do. And so it's, it's this, uh, I absorb information and stare at a screen until it just kind of clicks. Yeah, that's cool. I think it's the best way to get your job done, man. Connect with people. Connect and connect and connect because you're you you can only solve the problem with this so so far with you by yourself and then you you need help. It's not that other people will give you the answer, no, but you need to talk to other people to get ideas on where to go next. I think that's that's crucially important, no doubt. Okay, so you've you've got the career as a BA. Uh, oh, by the way, I was going to mention Elon Musk says that he hires a lot of people with PhDs. I got to make a phone call. I'll be, oh, be right back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way it goes so where do you see yourself as a business analyst over the next few years and what's your planned workflow process so to speak i think this is a very a different question that i'm not used to being able to answer in this way because context um since i was since i've been 18 years old, I've moved 36 times. Like I've, that's how many times I've changed my permanent address. Um, and none of it was military related either. Um, it's a lot of it academic related. Academics are very nomadic people. I am not used to thinking that far ahead. I'm so used to thinking about what does the next six months look like as an adjunct or as a lecturer? Like, what is my, do I have a, a year contract or a six month contract? And so for the first time in my life, I am able to think about what does a career path look like in, in a path that there actually is real progression that doesn't, it's not pretend progression that happens in academia, right? Um, and so where I see myself along this path, I think is very similar to the way that I got here. I'm going to absorb as much information as I can about everything that I can about this business. I'm gonna go from there. Um, because for me, like right now, the joke is like the, 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 my personality type is very similar to the, the CEO of this company. Um, and he's, it's a well-established company. They've been around 20 years, $25 million company. So the running joke with the CEO of my company is that we're going to keep Eric as long as we can cool. because 
he's gonna go somewhere after this. Like, and I told him the first like two or three weeks of my job, he said, how are things going? I said, this is great. Cause what you have built is what I want to build. Like, like I want to build a big ed. I want to build a, an ed tech company that uses big data and that does so in a very ethical and beautiful way. Yeah. You have built that. I want to do that as well. And so I'm going to come in here and learn as much as I can from you. And he just laughed. He's like, yeah, you don't need an MBA. Just go get a job. Like just come and work as a business analyst. Um, And so as far as like that path, like I I want to develop this data set that I have this external for external customers in a way that, that the company has never looked at before. My personal goal, right, is to double the company's revenue with ideas. Um, I don't know if I can do that, but that's, that's what I, that's, 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 what yeah. I, that's my personality type that's good point. And that, um, I, cause what is beautiful about business analytics and the same thing in the same way that rhetoric is beautiful is that it touches everything. You mm-hmm. can absorb everything about a business in that position. Um, and so that's what I want to do is absorb that. And like, I can see myself in this company for the next, you know, two to five to 10 years. Um, or longer, but I have to be ready to pivot. Yeah, no, got to be ready, no doubt, indeed. So, if anyone in the audience wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way they can do that? The best way is LinkedIn. Um, Eric James Stevens, PhD, LinkedIn, Google. It will probably get you there. Um, that's that's the best way, and I hope that you do. I love doing one on ones with people. Um, I'm starting to do like Thursday night eight o'clock chats with people about my journey from academia to analytics. And um, it's been a lot of fun. And so I, I love talking to people. Please reach out. Cool. Well, thanks very much, Eric. This has been very, very informative. And I'm sure there's lots of people out there thinking just like yourself, can I get into business analysis from my background? How do I do so? So thanks very much. It's been very, very informative. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Have yourself a great day in Oklahoma, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You as well. Thanks. All right. Bye.